Today on Repair Radio, we're going to be talking about broken coffee grinders, bulging UPS batteries, and also how your car's computer and engine work together so that you get to work on time. We'll also be recapping a busy week full of teardowns, so stick around. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Repair Radio, the official iFixit podcast. I'm Craig Lloyd, and as always, I'm joined alongside Kevin Purdy and Whitson Gordon. How you guys doing? Good. Good. Tired after a, a long <laughs> week, long weekend. Yes, we're Kevin, was that a question? <laughs> well, we are, Good? we are all just recovering from a whole week of working together on teardown stuff, so... Um, yes, I, we all got to make a trip to the iFixit offices in San Luis Obispo. Yes, and it was Ooh. lovely. And I'm still putting together my receipts and... <laughs> and unpacking my bags and tr- where's that cord and yeah so we're back yeah, yeah. so i i said i said to quickly mention is that right now i'm sitting next to a table full of torn down devices that we tore down last week so like the the apple watch the switch light ipad mm. it's all just like all the parts are just like splayed out on the table and it just looks like the calm after the storm like <laughs> the destruction is just like calmly just eerily sitting there <laughs> Was it as, is it as calm as Friday was when there were just like no tech writers in the building at all because they were like catching mm. up on a week's worth of lost sleep? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My assumption I, like, I feel like I didn't see anyone at the like I didn't see any of my friends at the office besides you guys because they were all like asleep by the time I got there. My assumption is that it looks like a very precise tornado went through. Like instead of just ripping out the, <laughs> the wall joists, it's like the, the tornado only hit the inside of an Apple Watch. Yeah. Well, so you have a bunch of torn down devices, but what did you fix this week? How about how about you go first, Whitson? <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked the question. Mine's mine's the sad one, so I guess I'll go first because it didn't really get fixed. Um, uh, a couple weeks ago, my I have a, a cyber power UPS or a, a battery backup, um, f- so that if like the power goes out, which actually happened two weeks ago, um, my computer doesn't just crash and get corrupted or whatever it'll um shut itself down cleanly because it's got about 10 minutes of battery power on like the surge protectors protect uh connected to but a couple weeks ago it just started my computer started shutting down randomly and the then the battery backup would beep and i was like what the heck finally realized that i've had this thing for almost exactly three years that's when you're supposed to replace the battery because lithium-ion batteries as we know die over time uh Mm -hmm. and it just was empty all the time and kept i guess i don't know if it was drawing too much uh I had too much stuff plugged into it, um, but it was just being like, uh-oh, no power, got to shut everything down. So I went to replace the battery, got a new battery off Amazon. It was like 30 bucks. Uh, went to go put it in, and the battery that is inside is bulging so much that I can't even get it out of the UPS, um, yeah. which is kind of a bummer. I was like, I was like so gung-ho. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm just going to replace the battery. I'm not going to buy a whole new UPS. I'm going to do this right. This company's doing things right. They make like easily user replaceable batteries Mm. i like i did everything i was comfortable doing to try to get it out but bulging batteries can like explode and stuff and and so trying to jam something in there to force it out is no not gonna happen and it was like it like it was smelled like it was burning even though it wasn't on it just like smelled like battery acid and there was like definitely a little bit of battery acid like on the the pins or whatever so i was like "Mm, Uh. guess i'm gonna and honestly i realized that uh this is not high enough wattage for my setup anyway because i originally bought it for a very different setup uh so it's probably time for me to just recycle this and buy a new one which pains me as the editor of i fix it but uh you know 
gotta do what you gotta I, do i was gonna say just like put it in a steel box and like label it for the next homeowner like <laughs> just write good luck and sharpie on it and just like well i'm really sad move. my favorite e-waste uh recycling center in san diego shut down so now i gotta go find one and take this over to them and then go to fries and buy a new ups because otherwise i'm just gonna be waiting until one gets here because my i can't turn my computer on i don't even have any extra surge projectors in this house man you were very cautious yeah wow it's i would it's, just plug it in it's, into an outlet <laughs> Well, I did. I mean, I used it for God knows how long with it bulging like this, but I can't plug it into an outlet isn't going to help. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, so I mean, yeah, I'm like staying with my in-laws and it's a very old house and there's only like two or three outlets in the whole room, none of them near my desk. So I have to use a surge projector that with a long enough cord that goes all the way over to like the other side of my four-month-old daughter's bed. And... I can plug my computer in, but I don't have enough outlets for my computer and my monitors and like all this whatever crap I have to plug in. So, plus you uh, said very old house, which makes me think like not grounded outlets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of sur- like, surgy wiring. If you know someone else like turns on a light bulb in a bedroom and your computer like blinks for a second. Yep, I really feel like I need this UPS to protect me from <laughs> whatever horrors lie beyond these thick plaster walls. <laughs> All right, so that's what you're trying to fix this week. So that, that is what attempting. I failed at fixing, and I'm going to have to go buy now. Yeah, uh, which I know is mm. not against the it's against the spirit of this podcast, but you know. So, uh, so what are you fixing, Kevin? Um, Hopefully, more successfully than I. Well, I've only had like a four hour window, and it already fixed itself, kind of. But um, this morning, I woke up, and you know, as as stated, returning to normalcy in my house, uh, no longer traveling. So, woke up this morning. I was psyched to make myself some fancy pants coffee. Yeah, with my fancy pants spur grinder. Um, and then I ground out 45 grams of coffee because that's I measure everything. And for my wife and I, and then just like right at the end, it stopped working. Uh, it just wouldn't respond to the switch being on like it wouldn't do anything. And so um, I was like, oh, no, now I have to fix this thing. Uh, it's a Baratza Encore grinder. So Baratza makes a bunch of uh, burr grinders. And um, do you guys know the difference between a burr grinder and a blade grinder? Yes. What Barely. about you? Barely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, essentially, uh, the cheapest coffee grinders are just like a pair of spinning blades that just whir around and, and chop beans that happen to be flipping through the air. Um, kind of like a blender, essentially. And then mm-hmm. a burr grinder is actually two conical uh, you know, usually steel pieces that actually like rotate at a certain distance from each other to grind the coffee to an exact, uh, pretty exact uh, size, particle size before it's allowed to fall through the catch. Uh, so and it, like in a, in it, instead of like cutting the beans, it sort of like crushes them. Exactly. And yeah. every so often it turns out you can just get <laughs> just like, I don't know, stone particulate or the just the right kind of beans exactly lined up so that it actually clogs the burrs and you can't go any further so that's what happened with my encore uh this morning it just happened to get jammed up with beans and so all i did was i took the the hopper off the thing on the top that collects the beans shook it a little what do they call it? they call it percussive maintenance right like i just literally like banged it against the counter <laughs> and that essentially loosened the beans enough but it reminded me that i'm very happy to have this overpriced grinder and i recommend overpriced grinders to more people because um buying cheap burr grinders is such a crime against earth and humanity <laughs> because i have bought cheap burr grinders before because like the price jump from 
the grinder you have, which either costs nothing because you already have it or, you know, 20 bucks or whatever at the store, um, you can, you know, the next jump up to like one of these like Barazzas or even just like a good burr grinder is like $120, $130. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oof. But uh, one of the things you learn uh, is that those cheaper grinders, like there's no sharpening them. There's no fixing them. There's no spare parts. Uh, you know, I, I, mean, I hope they don't sponsor this podcast eventually, but like basically the, compre- <laughs> the Compressos you can buy on Amazon, they're fine for however long they work. And then you just have to throw them away. Uh, unless like something goes wrong with the wiring that you can figure out yourself. That doesn't sound very environmentally friendly. And I, that is why I just use a Keurig. You know, oh my, that's oh really <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Okay. I mean, I do right now because that's what my mother-in-law has, but no, I do not use one at home. <laughs> I, I didn't even respond to your joke as like a, that's a lame joke. I, Did I, you think I, I was serious? I just... I was about to berate Wits on live radio. Yeah. <laughs> it's not live. I was about you to say edit yeah. this. Yeah. Go. Well, to me it is. Yeah. Maybe you should... No editing. Why, you can why say whatever you... you want to me and then bleep it out. That's the beauty <laughs> of podcasting. Hey, Whitson, why don't you try getting that battery out? Use it. Use, a, use this dull knife or something. Just jam it in there. Um, yeah, I'm I'm saving the earth by telling you to go get that battery out. Um, we should do a live video stream of me trying to do that. <laughs> so, anyways, um, if like Baratza, the the maker, you know, since they also make coffee uh, grinders for like uh, pro shops and coffee houses, um, they have tons of spare parts. They have lots of videos on how to fix their stuff. Their their devices are pretty modular, and I'm just like very happy I, that even if my fix had been more than just shake it around dummy, I, I would have been in a good spot. So that's what I wanted to talk about. It's not buying generally like cheap kitchen equipment that you know you can't fix down the line. That's one so of those you mentioned, things. Sorry, go ahead. You mentioned uh, Compresso. Mm-hmm. Well, I confession, I have a Compresso Infinity grinder. Yep. The inf- and it's, I mean, Infinity. It's, Is that like an upgrade one? It's their, it's their, I think it's their standard conical burr grinder. Okay. They have the Infinity and then the Infinity Plus. Um, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. I know the Infinity. I, we had one at the, co- at the uh, co-working space, yeah. Yeah, so I I think I would love to get the Encore, um, and I think I will once the Compresso eventually you know dies. Mm-hmm. Um, or gets so dull that you can't really sharpen it. Yeah. Or you know, whatever. But yeah, Compresso. I went I just briefly went onto their website and they they have a uh, on their navigation bar they have a parts and accessories link. I'm like, oh cool, they sell spare parts. Mm. And then I clicked on that and it was just like buy a replacement filter, buy a replacement <laughs> carafe. Right. Or like, yeah, the, eh. the the hopper that holds the beans. You can you can buy one yeah. of those if you accidentally lose the plastic bits, but like they will not sell you a new uh burr. Which is weird because yeah. you can just pop it out. Like, yeah, yep. Yeah, anyways. Uh, yeah, so, you know, here's, <laughs> it's like the weird paradox where it's like, I hope your Compresso lasts forever, Craig, but also don't buy another <laughs> one, <laughs> I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but there's like, there's a ton of kitchen stuff like that where you say, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to spend X amount, but like, it's always mm-hmm. worth looking up what you're actually buying with another little jump in, uh, in price because like sometimes you end up buying the thing that's like just going in the trash the next time you move yeah a lot of those name brand things like those brands that have been around for like 
a hundred years or whatever, you know, like you're buying a food process, like how much more likely are you going to be able to buy new parts or new blades? Um, it's just one of those things that a lot of people don't think about when they buy stuff. And like the more I work here, the more I'm like, oh man, parts availability is such a huge part of repairability that, yeah. that even I didn't think about when I was like kind of started working here. And now it's like starting to seep into all my other tech reviews. I'm like, can you buy parts for this online? <laughs> no, like, like Roombas are a great example too. Like there are all these, like Roomba's been the big name in robot vacuums. And now all of these other ones have started to come out. But Roomba, just by virtue of them being like, the name in robot vacuums mm -hmm. they have so many more like parts available um and then and then also like and generally like because the, parts yeah and because they're such a big target yeah uh i was gonna say third-party parts also pop up because like there is some money to be made in making replacement rollers or brushes for a you know a roomba versus like yeah like the i i don't want to ding anyone in particular here but <laughs> i know especially because like i haven't looked up like exactly which parts are available for uh, some of these other back but like you know like yeah if you buy a budget model you don't necessarily know if it's going to have as many or if the company's even going to be around in a few years yeah let's say the vacuum is made by the company that makes a lot of cables yeah <laughs> and their vacuums are supposedly amazing and i don't want to like knock them but you know. sure but like yeah it's who knows where the parts are going to be in a few years same thing with uh kitchen kickstarter projects where you're like oh wow this new sous vide machine that's like never just don't or literally any kickstarter project ever <laughs> i mean i'm fine or, with that i'm fine with that methodology too but like specifically smart glasses that amazon just released to put alexa on your face real jump there i guess yeah but I know, i'm yeah. just saying it's a thing that just happened <laughs> okay well there you go my grinder you <laughs> craig go uh all right well i went back to basics and uh i took apart my tower fan to clean out the dust and cat hair and let me tell you pretty sure it hasn't been cleaned in a long time <laughs> because pretty sure it was originally my wife's uh and she, i remember she had it she at least had it during college she probably it's probably been around longer than that um and that was like oh man eight or ten years ago probably college is not a clean environment <laughs> yeah it actually, it actually wasn't a lot of cat hair. It was mostly just built up dust. I took it into the garage um, and just blew all the dust out using compressed air. I know compressed air. Craig, like, I thought you Craig. had. A I thought maybe you were gonna say you had a compressor in your garage and you used that. Uh, I when we moved, I sold my air compressor because I sold pretty much all my tools when I moved because I knew I wouldn't have enough room for all of them. You gotta um, at least buy one of those little hand air compressors that Kevin mentioned in his post on iFixit.com. Yeah. Dot com. <laughs> just, guys, don't just, use the thing with air compressors air. is that they're compressed air compressors are so loud. They're so loud. Are they? And I live in an apartment now, so like I have to be courteous to my neighbors. Yeah. I uh I show them full disclosure, I haven't bought one of those yet either, but it's on my Amazon wish list for when I move houses. And in the meantime, I'm just gonna live with dusty stuff for the next three months. Sh sh show them the f show them the cat hair though, Craig. Like <laughs> go upstairs and be like, Hey, I know that was really loud, but look at look how much dust I got out of there. <laughs> and then you'll be like, Gross, get that out of my house and then throw it at them and run. Yeah. Well, you'll either be really close to your neighbor now or not at all. Or the opposite. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, I blew out all the dust. I didn't get all of it, but I got most of it. And uh, I feel like it runs smoother. Like, I don't know if that's just me and, you know, the the illusion Placebo of just cleaning effect. it out. Yeah, but I feel like it, I feel like it runs smoother now, which is, which is good. 
even if you just said it, it makes me feel better and so I can get to sleep easier. It's like, well, that, that was worth it then. Yeah. But if you're yeah, lying we, awake, not able to get to sleep because you're like, there's dust in that fan, you might have other problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we, we use it in our bedroom when we sleep as like white noise. So it's on. It's on all night, every night. Mm-hmm. So I knew that it had like a ton of buildup on it. So I feel like it's starting to get a little cold to have a fan running all night, Craig. Well, we don't we don't have it like blowing on us. We have it like sort of off to the side, just sort of like circulating the air. You know. I totally get that. Yeah, I, I'm I really that. sick of white noise. Ever since we had kids, we had like white noise machines in all the rooms, and now we're sleep. Like our daughter's sleeping in our room. I'm like, I can't wait until I have silence in my room again. I hate I white noise. I, I can't sleep when it's completely silent. There has to be white noise. I need to like sleep, or, or in at least like what do you call it? Like an anechoic chamber. <laughs> it just, <laughs> <laughs> which just fakes a disease so they can be brought to a hospital. It's just like, oh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any MRIs that last for eight hours? <laughs> Actually, no. They're super loud, but they're not white noise. They're like just I promise great. I don't have any bulging batteries in my pocket. Last week, we did a Reddit AMA. Oh, yeah, that was good. And, that was like two was days good. ago, and it already feels like a month ago. I know. Yeah, we we got a lot of good questions, I, f- I felt like. Um, we did. I've already copied and pasted one of my answers to those questions into a Facebook comment for someone else who asked the same question. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, it yeah, was good. A lot of, we had a lot of good questions, a lot of good answers. Um, yeah, so we also, we also tore down a lot of stuff last week. Boy, did a few we. Things. Oh. We tore a few things down. I mean, we, as in the royal we, I fix it. Uh, our tech writers and teardown engineers did a heck of a lot of work last uh, Dude, couple weeks ago. Dude, they were champions. Six teardowns in one week. That's. I feel like that's yeah. got to be a record for us. But um, yeah, it was, shout out to yeah, shout out to uh, Sam, Jeff, Tyler, Adam, Arthur, our our teardown team. Um, so we tore down the iPhone 11 Pro Max, right? And that was mm-hmm. like a, a typical teardown you can find on the I, uh, teardown section of the iFixit site, um, as well as the iPhone 11 Pro uh, in a video live stream. And uh, we have an article about the iPhone 11, um, which was just kind of a, a like a truncated teardown. Um, and we have a video of the uh, 11 Pro. Yeah, I said a vid- that. A video teardown. Oh, you did? Jeez. I said Man, that, Craig. All- I wish we weren't recording three separate Kevin- podcasts at once. We should probably <laughs> try to keep it to one. <laughs> uh, I'm just, just going to go over here and thank of- a different set of teardown engineers at my <laughs> podcast. Uh, this is this has been a Monday, I tell you. What. <laughs> um, uh, we found some cool stuff, though, right? Yes, I'm going to tease it by saying that you can see in the in the teardown of the uh, I think it's the Pro Max where we do most of the talking, right? About that. Yeah. Um, but. There are some interesting findings inside them. Uh, most of the, the most interesting thing inside the 11 Pro Max and the Pro and the 11 is not what's in there, but like what seems like it was supposed to be in there. Um, we saw some evidence involving charging cables, uh, heat and power management, and some other stuff that suggested that Apple really was, geez, at least 50% bought into the idea of offering <laughs> bi- bilateral charging, um, and, as in... And- Go ahead. I feel like it's important to phrase this. Like, we didn't come up with this idea based on what we found. It was more like this was a rumor that Apple was going to have bilateral charging in these phones where you could put one phone on the back of another phone and it would wirelessly charge it. And yes. so as we are tearing th- things down, we were looking for, like, clues. 
<laughs> evidence might be a strong word. I feel like this is clues. Clues that these rumors may have been correct. Yes, right? yes. Like, well, it was Carmen Sandiego-esque. Like, there was one guy who was like, oh, the pyramids <laughs> are missing, and you need to go to France, though. Um, so we... we Fought, we connected some dots, and I think we'll have more to say about that in an iFixit.com blog post pretty soon. Potentially. Well, yeah. when this, by the time this post comes, this podcast comes out, yeah, hopefully not too soon after that. <laughs> yeah, um, right. But yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff in there involving bilateral charging. And by that, we mean, yeah, like Whitson said, being able to charge your... There's a, a lot of stuff involving charging that Ooh. wasn't there before, which makes us think like, hmm, what purpose could this serve? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Also, uh, also, how many gigs of RAM does it have, you guys? This is the most important thing in the world, according to the internet. I don't remember the answer now. If I hear one more person talk about smartphone RAM, <laughs> I'm going to get real mad. Okay. Especially think, with think, the iPhone. Like everyone gets, everyone gets so caught up on the specs that it's like, it doesn't matter how much RAM it has. Does it work well? Is it smooth? I know. Does it like? I know. Like, uh, yeah. I know. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> Stop trying to run Crisis on your iPhone. I know, right? Anyway, it's, it's, it's four, fine. It's, was four gigs in the iPhone Pro Max, wasn't? I think we, we we decided that it was that wasn't firm, but it's not firm because you know we we were able to uh like identify the ram chip but then when we go to look up that specific model number on the manufacturer's website like they don't have that specific one yet but based Mm -hmm. on the 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 construction of the model number we think that it is four gigs yeah and the extra two gigs everyone says that might be for the camera we couldn't find that anywhere yeah the extra, so when you just, say the, the extra two gigs of rumored RAM, is that yes. what you're saying? Because everyone was saying that this would have yeah. six gigs of RAM. I yeah. think it was just uh, wishful thinking, but what do I know? Eh. <laughs> oh, and we uh, we found a uh, an unmarked module that we expect is the U1 chip. Uh, yes. Which is their new ultra-wideband uh, uh, chip that is used for like hyper-accurate, like down to a couple feet. Um, location positioning, which could be used for some pretty cool stuff like uh, airdrop and whatnot. Yeah, airdrop. I mean, that's what it's being used for now, airdrop. And then rumored it might be used for uh, Apple tags like like Tile, mm-hmm. um, but Apple's own take on that. I don't um, consider it official until it's used for Pokemon Go. So <laughs> you are standing on top of Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> Warning. <laughs> um, <laughs> so those were the iPhones. It's like the idea of kids being traumatized by that. Like, oh no, you can't capture it now because you've crushed it with your large feet. <laughs> it makes this like bone crunching sound in the background. Yeah, yeah it's very, oh, very useful addition to this game. Is just traumatize kids. Like true augmented reality. Sorry. Um, so we also tore down. We also tore down the Apple Watch Series Five, um, mm-hmm. as well as the seventh generation iPad and the Switch Lite. Um, the Series Five was kind of the most interesting to me, and I really didn't expect it to be because I just don't care about the Apple Watch. But yeah, we went from the, like we have nothing to say about this to we have two posts about this. I know it's so <laughs> so. The always on display thing is pretty cool, and you talked a little bit about that, Kevin. On, I did. Um, there's on a video, the iFixit.com. 
Indeed, there's a post I wrote about before we tore it down about what's going on with LTPO and variable refresh rate. And then uh, we also did a video teardown of the five, a very abbreviated kind of look at like what's inside of it, uh, in which I talk a little bit more about that display. So what's the deal with the display? Give us the Reader's Digest version. Ah, you should read it. Okay. I mean, (laughs) this is a podcast. People can't read while they're driving. I don't want to promote that kind of dangerous behavior. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, so Apple has a patented mix of transistors that go underneath the screen and they're using newer materials that are create some power savings but that was already present in the four they just kind of quietly slipped that into the series four already uh now they say that they have uh different tech uh behind those transistors that allows them to lower the refresh rate down to one hertz and uh, I'm not Whitson. I don't write about gaming monitors every Thursday of my life. So I didn't really understand refresh rates other than as a confusing monitor setting that I sometimes ignore inside Windows. But uh, having a very low refresh rate is actually a pretty big power savings. Uh, it means that essentially the monitor, or the screen is not checking back with the, with the you know computer or whatever to see if there's new stuff so much. So that is what Apple claims allows them to have capital A, always on display. However, like <laughs> two days after the Apple Watch was available, uh, uh, is it, I've never said his first name out loud. Marcus? Marcus, Marcus. Brownlee? Just straight up Marcus. Okay. I believe I want, so. I want to say something like Marquez. Um, Marcus Brownlee, uh, he's saying I turned it off because it's like eaten battery and I've got, I'm down to 18% at the end of the day. Well, so much for that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's a weird take because it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it probably still would have lasted until the very end of the day. But it's like, I totally get that that can instill battery anxiety in people. It seems kind of weird. I yeah. feel like I feel like I have an Android watch that lasts longer than that with an always on display. Oh, no. Oh, no. Whitson became a commenter. Everybody out. I'm just I wasn't. <laughs> hey, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I'm just saying like Whitson is an Android reply guy. <laughs> I'm not, I swear. No, I mean, um, yeah, like there were OLED uh Android watches that offered like quote unquote all day display, you know, with like and they would it would turn the the difference was that that would take the watch face and turn it into like a dim, less detailed version of itself. Yeah. Um and but that was relying mostly on OLED black and white tech to save power, so I don't know. Uh, I guess that makes sense. But like, yeah, I <laughs> I, I, I'll be interesting to see with people have a little bit more time with it, whether it's still a, you know, a lot of people agree that's a big, how it holds up. I mean, point. without yeah. that, it's like so crazy to not have that. Like that's how that's, it's a watch. If you can't look at the watch without it. Eh, anyway, I'm not going to be an Android reply guy instead. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> instead, were... I got to ask, cause this is even the more exciting thing is the battery. So the, the, what is the 44 millimeter Apple watch is the one that we tore down and it didn't look particularly interesting. And then right. we tore down the 40 millimeter for some reason, and the battery was totally different. <laughs> for some reason. Like, I, I, I didn't know we were going to tear down them both. I was like, why tear down the exact same thing? <laughs> Someone bought one, accidentally left it in the teardown room, and then we tore it when they were in love. <laughs> <laughs> Someone just, they were so tired, they were just tearing down things in their sleep. You know, sleepwalking teardowns. But, so the battery was yeah. completely different in the smaller version. Yeah. It, uh, instead of like a, a black colored, a, a a foil pouch like most batteries have in phones and tablets and all that good stuff it had a an aluminum well what we think is aluminum metal casing 
Yeah. So and, uh, at first glance, this seems like okay, it's in a it's metal. That's no big deal. But like, this is actually kind of a big deal. Yeah. So we found a we found a patent that we think is related. Um, but and and there's and we deduced that there's a lot of uh, a few benefits to having this metal casing. Um, one is it's more difficult to puncture if you're prying out a, a battery that you need replaced. Um, and I think what's what's most interesting is that the patent re- also revealed that um, Apple could use this metal casing to put built-in um, screw holes so that you can screw the battery into the case rather than glue it in. Yay! Um, and that and that would be using you know no external brackets or anything, so it would still save space, um, you know, which is nice, which is awesome. So hopefully Apple goes that route, um, and other manufacturers go that route as well. Yeah, that would be huge. But also, it, um, I mean, just the fact that it was they were able to get more battery capacity in there as a result of the metal casing is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, like like the fact that they can get ten percent more battery life without increasing the size of the battery um, is pretty dope. I I can't believe it's like ten percent though. Like, if you told me that, like, the resin left over in a two-liter bottle of soda at the bottom, where, like, the feet, where the feet are, it's like, well, we figured out a way to cap those off, and that's add 10% more soda to this bottle. I'd be like, no freaking way. <laughs> but that's what it, like, how big is the seam around an Apple Watch battery? Like, that's amazing to me. I mean, if if you think about just how this, the high tolerance is in, in phones mm-hmm. and that, just, like, the tiniest millimeter can make all the difference. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about know, a battery that's sense. really small to begin with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it, it's it's so impressive to me. Like, it's about the size of an Andy's mint. <laughs> that is a really specific reference, and yeah. I love it. I can't. And, see that, and now though. I want one. Yes, <laughs> it looks like an Andy's mint too. Yeah. So next time, <laughs> next time someone's Apple Watch is running out of battery, be like, "Oh no, you're down to just the green." <laughs> that requires a specific knowledge of what an Andy's mint looks like, but whatever. Yeah. Right. The iPad which it's an ipad uneventful yeah cool i mean it's a bigger display 10.2 instead of 9.7 but how um, much ram does it have stop oh, it geez. stop it <laughs> three gigs i'm pretty sure the answer is three gigs cool oh, yeah well yeah three gigs um has i just wanted connector. to put that out there for the people listening who are like wait you jerks you didn't actually say the answer and the last one was the uh switch light right yep. switch light less repairable Yes. A six a six instead of an eight on our scale, repairability scale. Is yeah, that they, just from the I actually didn't read this one. Is that just because of like the Joy Cons like being well, part of the thing? Like you can't like before if the one of the Joy Cons broke, you could just like buy a new controller. Like that alone is pretty huge. Yes, they took the most likely to fail part of the device, the left Joy Con, and fused it to the board. Yeah. Mm, so that's that, unfortunate. Yeah. That's a weird choice. And then also the battery is way more glued in. Uh I don't think the old one was at all, hardly. Um, yeah. and then yeah. it's a few more things a few more components are fused to the board instead of modular and repl- uh, replaceable but at the same time it is still pretty easy to get into other than the tri-wing screws and the LCD and digitizer are not fused so you can if you crack the glass but the display still works you can just replace the well it's plastic but you know what I mean oh, by glass nice. yeah it's like old phones <clears throat> so though, I think the real question that's on everyone's minds though is are the joysticks any better because the last one had that joystick drift issue where like after a certain amount of usage your joystick just Mm. starts drifting and you've got to replace it yourself 
And we or do not conclude. Is, is Nintendo replacing them now for and free Craig, or discounted? Craig, are they fixed? Do they did they fix it? Uh, as far as we can tell, the joysticks are the same. We um, the same the material. Different, yeah, the only differences that we know that we noticed um, are likely just different manufacturers. You know, like just manufacturing differences, basically. Hmm. Different different manufacturing lines, maybe a different supplier. I don't know. All right. Well, um, we'll see but, how these last yeah. in a couple of years. <laughs> there, so, there are some slight changes to the design at the bottom. Yeah. But we can't even, like, there, there's but, a little difference in the way that the some side wall off the side of the joystick is made and stuff. But who knows? People are already claiming that after one weekend of Link's Awakening or perhaps Untitled Goose Game, they are seeing <laughs> drift. So it's not going well over there. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, move on and answer some questions from our listeners. If you have a question you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email it to repairradio at ifixit.com or tag us on Twitter. Our username is at ifixit and include the hashtag repairradio in your tweet. Our first question comes from, and I, I apologize if I botch. In the now and in the future, if I botch usernames, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, our first question comes from breezy underscore Fulleren on Instagram. Pretty good. He asked, "My car, which is a 2018 Toyota Rav4, great car by the way, has 10,600 miles. He bought a brand new automatic transmission, and was wondering if it's normal for the RPMs to increase for a quick second when putting the car in drive from park." On a cold start, the car idles at about 1,500 RPMs, and when you shift to drive, the RPMs increase for about a half second, then go down to normal idle. Is this something I should get checked out, or is this something modern cars do? I am um, I'm excited that he asked this and that you are seemingly going to answer it. Because I always wondered, yeah. like, why the heck would the... why? And also, I think it goes the other way, too, is that when you shift it into park sometimes, it looks like it can ramp up a little bit. Yeah, so I've I've seen this question before, and it's a great question. Um, so when going from park to drive, uh, or vice versa, the RPMs will fluctuate slightly. And that is because when you have it in park, the engine is spinning, but the transmission is not. So when uh, when you put it into drive, the engine connects with the transmission, and it creates resistance, which slows down the engine. Uh, and it, it, would, it would eventually just stall. But the car's computer compensates for that by revving up the engine slightly until that resistance goes away from the inertia and momentum. Um, and so at, and then once, once that's achieved, the RPMs uh, should then normalize. Mm. So in my head... It's a horse that is trample that is like moving its legs in th- air and just like suspended slightly over the track. And then as soon as it like lowers and hits the track, obviously it's a lot harder for it to keep its legs going at the same speed. But now I don't have yeah. an analogy for the computer inside the horse. <laughs> the, the I, I thought that was a weird place to start making an analogy. Like what oh, the what horse century is it, Kevin? <laughs> well, I mean, they still use the term horsepower, so Okay, true. so like, right, so basically it connects to 
the <laughs> car talk. <laughs> it connects to the thing that actually makes the car go places, and that obviously creates resistance. Um, and then it guns it a little bit so that it doesn't like completely stall out from that resistance. Right. So like if you were so this is this is on automatic, on a manual. If you were to uh, let out the clutch and, and not give it gas, you would stall the engine. Ooh. Right. So on automatic, the computer sort of does that for you. This is the first time that someone's explained to me that the reason I stall out all the time driving a manual car is not just because I suck. It's because <laughs> like there's literally like a physical force well, stopping the engine. Sure. I mean, it can also mean you suck, but yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to accept that. I just like, I literally just thought that like in my head, it was just like, well, God is punishing us. <laughs> like the reason that your car stalls when you don't clutch it properly is just that like you're lame. Now I do want to explain. Uh, he mentions it. It idles at fifteen hundred RPMs. This seems normal for during a cold start, especially if it's really cold out and you just start the engine up. Um, fifteen hundred might be a bit high. Um, but, uh, if he's, if he's talking about it's idling at 1500, you know, even when the, the engine is completely warmed up, that's high. Um, it should idle when the, when the engine is fully warmed up, it should idle around 700, 800 RPMs. If it's higher than that, the idle is off. And, but luckily the fix is sort of easy um it's probably the idle air control valve just likely needs to be cleaned it's located on the throttle body and it can easily be removed and cleaned with um you know electrical parts cleaner or you could probably use mass airflow sensor cleaner um but electrical parts cleaner is probably more uh, common to find um and then I guess while you're at it, you could also clean the throttle body. Now, I understand if you don't want to do that and you want to take it to, you know, your mechanic, that's totally okay. Craig, can you tell me where the throttle is? The, 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 like the gas pedal? Is that what we're cleaning? <laughs> well, when you just say the throttle. Okay, what is, what is the throttle the, body that I have to throttle, clean or have the person clean for me? So the throttle body is connected between the engine and the air filter. Mm. So uh, you have the air box, which houses the air filter. And then there's sort of a flexible tube that goes from the air box to the engine. But before it reaches the engine, it goes through the throttle body, which controls how much air enters the engine. Okay. All right. And connected and connected to the throttle body is that idle air control. I thought you were going to say the hip bone, (laughs) (laughs) but okay. Got it. So yeah, that's it's 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 a pretty easy fix. Um, On this ten thousand mile Rav Four from two thousand eighteen, though, that's probably a long ways off. Yeah, I, that's that's another thing. Is it's it probably it's probably not like super dirty, but you never know. It depends. It depends. You know what environment you typically you know where you're located, how dusty it is, all that good stuff. Um. But the good news is that the RAV4 is an excellent car. <laughs> very good choice. Very good choice of vehicle. Yes. Super reliable. Um, sponsored this week by Toyota. Not sponsored by Capresso. <laughs> <laughs> not sponsored by Toyota for sure. Uh. Um, now, why do cars idle 
at higher RPMs when cold, you ask? That's a great question. <laughs> um, so, yeah, whenever you start up your car and it's really cold out, the car will idle at higher RPMs. The simple answer is that engines run poorly when cold. So the car's computer counteracts this by running at higher RPMs to avoid stalling. Think of this as like the choke, right? What does high, high, it's me. Uh, it's it's Hi, Kevin. Not, not car guy, Kevin. Um, what is the choke doing? I, like I, my snowblower has a choke. Like essentially it's, it literally sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm throttling it with my hands and it just like coughs for about a minute and then I can move the choke back to normal and now the snowblower runs. Yeah, so the choke uh, basically dumps more fuel into the engine, right? Ooh. Um, I hope I explained that in a simple way. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a long way to go. but I need you know, more analogies relating to horses. I can do it if you want. <laughs> I, although I don't like the idea of describing how you're literally choking a horse so that it doesn't run so fast. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not as into that analogy. So uh, actually... I want to make a correction. When you asked what a choke was, yes. I explained. I, I actually explained uh, a fuel enricher, which is what. <laughs> no. <laughs> which is actually what one of my old motorcycles used to have. Okay. Um, which is why it was on my brain. Uh, so a fuel enricher dumps more fuel into the the ratio, the air fuel mixture. A choke chokes the air supply so that the ratio is more fuel. Oh, okay. Instead air, of adding air. fuel, it just re- removes air. Correct. Got yeah. it. Got it. Okay. So during that period where like you've got the choke on and it's like going, arg, arg, like it sounds like it's really struggling, although it's just like probably burning out fuel and warming up. Then eventually you smooth over the choke to like regular. Yep. And yeah. Eventually it kind of evens out and it sounds like a regular engine again. Yep. Okay, and that's just a that's and, that's just the process of the engine warming up, the fuel evaporating at a more regular rate, and the engine being stabilized with its nice fuel to air mixture that it wants. Yep. Wow, we got there. <laughs> I am. So, I, I should say I'm so excited to start my snowblower again, but that is a cursed phrase that I will not say. <laughs> okay, but so simple answer to to answer this this guy's question is fluctuating RPMs when you're shifting into different gears, uh, well, park to drive or reverse or whatever, that's normal. But if it's idling, if the car's completely warmed up and it's idling at 1,500 RPMs, then that's, that's, that's high. That's not normal. So if that's the case, I would get that checked out. All right. All right. That was, that was a detailed answer. All right. Well, that does it for this episode of Repair Radio. If you enjoyed what you heard, feel free to leave a review on iTunes. That would help us out a lot. Victor from Barcelona said that we are his gym symphony. Mm, such kind words, Victor. Wow, Appreciate that is it. that is painting real a real picture there. Mm, yeah. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, uh, Wits and Kevin. I'm at Wits and Gordon. I'm at Kevin Purdy, and the last name is P U R D Y. And I am Craig E Lloyd on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, you can follow iFixit on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook with the username iFixit. We will see you next time for another episode of Repair Radio. So long. Goodbye.